Okay. I do want to remind uh, everyone about the story of Yitzchak digging wells. Yitzchak digging wells. It's a story in the Chumash in this week's parish. So here's the here's the story. Right? If you look at the sheet, it's on the um, it's on the left side. Vaidal Ha'ish, Vaidal Ha'ish is Yitzchak. Here it means that he became rich. Vayelech haloch gadel ad ki gadal ma'od. That's the introduction that the Torah gives to the story that it's about to tell. Now Yitzchak just came back from his encounter with Abimelech. He also had some issue with his wife. Um, if you recall, if you don't recall, go to Shul on Shabbos and somebody will read the story out loud, believe it or not. Vayilo miknet sonu miknet bakar now this is a story about Yitzchak and the Plishtim. We all know that the Plishtim were trouble. They always made trouble. They made trouble for Abraham. Now they're making trouble for Yitzchak. And eventually they make trouble for David HaMelech. And you know that the land of the Plishtim, which was on the coast, Today we call that Aza, that whole coast, but it even extended to Ashkelon. Um, that whole coast was um, never captured. It never was integrated into Eretz Yisrael because the Plishtim just wouldn't go away. But here we have an early encounter with the Plishtim in the time of Yitzchak. Yitzchak leaves the king. He leaves the king of Abimelech, and he's rich. He's a rich man. And then, Pasuk Tedvav, Kol Abeirot Hashachafru Avdei Aviv Bimei Avraham, Aviv, Sitmun Plishtim Vayimalum Avav. So there's, we are reminded that Avram Avinu also, he dug wells. And those wells eventually were stopped up by the Philistines. Well, there's some kind of a story. It was like, I guess, when the Chumash was written, was written down, people understood immediately what digging wells meant and why you dug wells and why the next team would come and stop up the wells. We're not so, it's not so easy for us to relate to it, but it must have something to do with a sign of what they, what the yeshivas is called, bylaws, like, you know, there's some kind of authority, uh, dominion, a purchase, ownership, right? so that Avram Avinu dug wells and the Philistines didn't like it. So they didn't just use the wells that Avram Avinu dug, but they filled them up. They eradicated them. Whatever the, will, whatever the, uh, the wells symbolized, that symbol was eradicated. I mean, this is we're a story. We're, we're, we're in this story here. Now, Avimelech, who was nice to Yitzchak after he found out that this woman was really his wife, you know that story, he, he says, look, we can't take this. We can't have a com- competition. Avimelech, the king, he's the rich guy in the neighborhood. We don't want another person who's rich, so you have to leave. 
וילך משם יצחק ויחד בנחל גרר וישב שם. So Yitzchak went and he went to Nachal Grar. The, the, the Mepharshim of course asked, we know about Grar, what's Nachal Grar, is it near the same place? They come to the conclusion that just like Avram Avinu settled in Grar, Nachal Grar apparently was nearby. So that Yitzchak went to the same place, more or less, as his father Avraham when he left the land of the Plishti. וישוב יצחק ויחפור את בארות המים שחפרו בימי אברהם אביו ויסתמו פלישתים אחרי מות אברהם ויקרא להם שמות כשמות שקרא להם אביו. And so Yitzchak goes, remember Yitzchak is in Nachal Gerar. He's re-establishing the home of his father Abraham. What does he do? He goes and digs again the same wells that Avram Avinu dug before him. In between, the Philistines filled in those wells. They covered them up. There were no longer any wells. Yitzchak is rich. He can't live with the Philistines, right? Very close to the Philistines. So he went to Nachal Grar. In Nachal Grar, he reestablishes the dominion of his father by digging the wells over again. And he then calls them names. Each well, right? Today they say, number one, number two, number three. In those days, they had a little more imagination. He called them names, so that people would know. Meet me at, now here are the names. And they dug up near the Nachal, near the stream, and they found a spring. That's a big deal. Right? There's a difference between a well that produces water and the kind of hole in the ground that you make where you collect water. Right? But a well, a hole in the ground that produces its own water, that's a big deal. That's called Be'er Mayim Chayim, flowing water. It's not just a repository of water, not a place where water is stored, but it's a place that gives forth water. Vayarivu Regrar, Imirei Yitzchak Leimor, Lanu And so this became the subject of controversy. The Roe Grar, these are the Philistines, the natives, had, they said, we want it. I mean, you found it, but it's ours. It's on our land. We were here first. You know, you ever hear these kinds of, of fights and arguments? Of course you have. So, he says, So they had, there was a name. He called it a name. What name did he call it? Asek. Why Asek? It was a place where they had tribulation. Right? They had some kind of disagreement. So he said, meet me. You know, he says to his kids, meet me at Asek. So everybody knew it was that well that they were fighting about. Yitzchak dug it. Yitzchak said that he owned it. The Philistines said, no, we must own it because we own all the springs around here, even though you haven't dug them up yet, but we own them. That's what the Philistines said. 
Vayikra Shema Sitna. Sitna, it's a word, I guess, you know, it like looks like Sintetnun, Satan, bad, sounds bad. Right? So, there's Asek, bad. Sitna, bad. So there's like everybody's fighting with everybody. Yitzchak tried to escape the wrath of Abimelech by going to Nachograr, and he finds himself in a bad position again. Everybody's fighting with him. He's digging wells, and they're fighting. Why is he digging wells? Why is he digging wells? Well, I guess he's digging wells because he needs water. But what does the Torah, what does the Torah say? That he's digging wells because his father dug wells. So that he's doing a provocative act. He's not just, I mean, for him it may be a very nice thing to do, digging his father's wells. But obviously for the, for the Philistines, it has a different meaning. Oh, this guy is coming to take over, he's coming to reestablish his former home, etc. Okay, so this is the story. Pasuk HaBet. Vayatek Mishan. We don't know what's behind this story. He went further away. And he dug another well. And they didn't fight about this well, right? They didn't fight about this well. And he called it Rechovot. Now, Rechovot, Rachav, big, wide, happy, right? You know, like, that's a good motion. Friendly, enticing. Let's everybody come in together. That's Rechovot. So, well number one, bad. Well number two, bad. Well number three, great. It's the well that we've all been waiting for. Vayal Misham Be'er Sheva. And then he left and went to Be'er Sheva. <coughs> okay. This is really the end of the story. The rest of the psukim that are printed here, you get for free. So now, the Ramban has to deal with this story. I mean, it's a story. The, the, the suspicious part of the story, just when you read the words, is that we more or less understand them. You know how it is in the Chumash, when you understand what's going on, you're in big trouble. Because when you don't understand what's going on, there's hope. Maybe someone will come and explain it to you. But when you understand what's going on, then you're really in trouble. And you say, what is this about? I mean, who cares? He dug wells. They were well, they had a fight, they didn't have a fight, then he moved to Beersheba. So he moved to Beersheba. Even Yitzchak wasn't interested in his own wells. But what was it that was going on here? Then we look at the Ramban. The Ramban asked this question in his way. The Ramban is on the second page. At the bottom of the page. Everything is, you know, is, uh, you read it in a tricky way, you have to read the sheet in a tricky way to keep awake, otherwise you put everything in order. The Ramban. What does the Ramban say? Ramban says in line number one, Yisapeh ha-katuv v'yarif b'nyana be'erot. So the Ramban says, Yarif. He says, like the Torah seems to go on endlessly about these wells. And what would be so terrible if we never heard of these wells at all? The Elet. And he says, when you read this to Ramban, right, this is not just a kind of a little kid in a class. The Ramban says, And he feels that Hamish should have Toelet. 
There should be something that you get from it. This is what the Rabban says in his introduction to the Torah. The Rabban says, the Rabban says that the stories in the Torah have ethical value. They teach you fear of God. He says, here he says, this story ain't much It doesn't teach me anything. I mean, I'm not even interested. I mean, today, of course, you know, you could become a, write a doctorate on whether Nachal Grar and Grar are really in the same place. But the Rabban didn't know that this would be, you know, grist for the mill of doctorates. But, so he says, Eivik Shutiyasipo to Elet, Velokavod Gadoli Yitzchak. And also, it doesn't tell me anything noteworthy about Yitzchak and where he dug the wells and then he left. I mean, what's, so why did he dig then? Why did he leave? I mean, why did he fight? What was he fighting about? And in fact, Yitzchak and Avraham both participated in this activity. So here comes the Ramban. Well, the Ramban had a theory. He had a theory by which he progressed in his commentary. And that theory was that the Torah had to be meaningful. If it wasn't meaningful, then it would not have been written. And when he says davar nistar, what he means is that you, I mean, a hidden, there's a hidden truth here. What the Ramban means is that you have to apply some other method of digging out the truth. Right? There's another way of getting to the truth, and that way is nistar, meaning that if you just read the words, you're not going to get it. You have to do something a little bit clever in order to understand what's really, what the story is really about. And then he says this, Because the Torah is actually coming to tell us something that's going to take place in the future. Now this was something very important to the Ramban. He often calls it remez. The word remez refers to something that's going to happen in the future. And that the implicit prophecy of the Torah is what makes the Torah valuable. But we have to understand why. Why it's so valuable to know the future, especially because the future we're going to know about is in the past for us. But that's a different question. But the Ramban says, the Ramban says, look, the Torah is magic. The Torah is not simple. The Torah is, is, is magical in that it always has information that's important to us. Now, what is that information? What is it? He says, Ki be'er ma'im chayim. Those words, be'er ma'im chayim, right? The spring of fresh water. The be'er ma'im chayim. Yemoz l'veit elokim. Asher yasu banav shal yitzchak. And this is a remes. Remes means something's going to happen in the future. What's going to happen in the future? The children of Yitzchak are going to build the Beit Hamikdash. That's what they're going to build. And he says, uh, That Maim Chayim, you know, is a metaphor for Torah, for God, for information, so that the source of the relationship that we have with the Rebbein Shalom is the Beit HaMikdash. So the Beit HaMikdash is the Be'er Ma'im Chayim, and this refers to the fact that Yitzchak's children are going to build, are going to build the Beit HaMikdash. Good. 
Ukarahirishon Asek. He says the first Beit Hamikdash is called Asek. Yevos Lebayit Rishon Shahit Ashku Imanu Basu Otanu Kama Machlokot Kama Milchomot Achechrivu. And so you know that that's the history. The first Beit Hamikdash was destroyed as the result of wars that took place. And the Babylonians came before that. The Jews fought with the Assyrians, and and all of this ended up with the destruction of Beit Hamikdash, and that's why the first Beit Hamikdash is called Asik, according to the Rambam. Okay, and the second Beit Hamikdash is called in the Chumash. It's called the Chumash Sitna. Shem Kashem in Arishon. Okay, right? So that's the second Beit Hamikdash. That's the second Beit Hamikdash. And the third Beit Hamikdash, right? You know about the third Beit Hamikdash? The Beit Hamikdash that will be built, that's called Rechovot. Who habayit ha'atichi b'nebi meirabi yamedu yaseb below riv umatsa fakel yachivet gulenu v'chulei v'chulei. Just like the third well was built by Yitzchak, and there was not a fight about it. So implicitly, the Rambam is saying an interesting, like a, a pshat within the pshat. You say, what happened? What happened to the third well? How come they thought about the first well and the second well, but they didn't fight about the third well? What, they, what, they got tired? They should have thought about the third well at all. So along comes the Ramban and he says, for those of you who had this kind of inclination in interpretation, he said the story is obviously not about wells. Because if it was about wells and Philistines, it would be certainly true that the third well would be treated exactly the same as the second and the first. That's what the Rabban says. So the Rabban says, no, there are no wells, and there are no Philistines. All of this is a kind of a metaphor. And the Torah is telling us something. Why is the Torah telling us this? That the first Beit HaMikdash will be destroyed, the second Beit HaMikdash will be destroyed, and the third Beit HaMikdash will be built in peace? Because here we are, we today, are products of the destruction of the first Beit HaMikdash and the second Beit HaMikdash and we're looking for hope and we want hope, we want to think we're in Eretz Yisrael and it means something right, we all moved, or many of us moved, some of us who had the good fortune of even being born here but everybody else moved to Eretz Yisrael, we'd like to think we did the right thing we weren't just the product of some kind of Madison Avenue ad campaign that got us here. So what is the optimism that the Torah has to give us? Bayat Shlishi. Bayat Shlishi means we're in the right place. And maybe it's not the time yet, but the time will come. That's called optimism. Right? That's what it is. So okay. So I have a, I have a good life in Eretz Yisrael, but it's going to be a lot better. Everything's going to be as good as I can imagine. Who says so? According to the Ramban, the Chumash. Where does the Chumash say it? Where it tells us the story about the wells. So you see, there's a Chumash and there's a Chumash. There's a Chumash about wells, and there's another Chumash about optimism and, and, and uh, 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 the glory of the future. But there's one thing that the Ramban didn't tell us. He didn't mention it. Maybe he knows the answer. 
But he didn't tell me, why is it connected to Yitzchak? How did Yitzchak get into this? Why couldn't Moshe Rabbeinu, when he went to wherever he went, and he drank the water that he drank, and of course he met his wife along the way, so why didn't he dig a few wells? I mean, what's Yitzchak got to do with this story? You know, Yitzchak was like a little passive, doesn't do much. Uh, 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 you know, I don't want to get involved with the brachot uh, to his children, but, but Yitzchak, why Yitzchak? So I have an idea. I have an idea. This is the idea. Go back to the first page. The first page, on the first page, on the first page, there's the story of Avraham. Remember, we were just learning the story of Yitzchak. Now we're going to learn the story of Avraham. You remember, Abraham went, had a little dispute, and came back, and he got rich, and then he had this, his son was born. I mean, all these things happened to Abraham Avinu. So, Abraham Avinu and Avimelech had this discussion. Avimelech said, Elokimim I see that you're doing very well, you're making money, you're living well. So Abimelech has an interest. He sees Abraham growing stronger and getting bigger, and he wants to ensure that Avraham Avinu will not be his enemy. And he says, I want to make this a deal Two more generations. I guess maybe at that time was the way you did it. You didn't say forever and ever, but you said the next two generations. We want to make an agreement that Abimelech would be safe. His progeny would be safe. His malchut, his kingship, would be, would be safe. Abraham, So Avinu says, okay, I'm, I'm willing to enter into this agreement with you. So Avinu uses this opportunity to say to Avimelech, listen, you know, we're going to make peace and we're going to be friends, but how come your team keeps stealing my well. You know, how can we make peace? How can you live in peace if you guys are at war with me? So Avimelech says, Me? What do I know? I'm just, I'm just a king. You know, I'm not, I don't know anything. And you should have told me. And we expect me to take care of problems that I don't know about. So Avimelech, like, you know, is diplomatic, I guess. So Avimelech, in those days, I guess that's also how they did it. They, they, they cut up a bunch of animals, they had a good lunch, and they said, we're in it together. 
And this is all part of some ritual that we don't understand, but we understand the point. He took the Sheva Kipsot, he put them over there. So Avimelech said to Abraham, why'd you do this? I mean, we, this is like a departure from the regular deal-making process, right? Where you usually, today you do, you go to lunch, right? You go to lunch, and then you say, okay, great. So those days they, there were no restaurants, so they made lunch on the spot. He says, well, why do we need these seven kivasot here on the side? Why did you do that? And he's all these seven kvasot, they're deal number two. Deal number one is that you're going to remain king and your family will be saved and I won't attack you. But deal number two is going to be about this well. And deal number two is that your guys are not going to come to take my well away again. The name Be'ashava comes up well and seven. Well is the well that Avram Avinu insisted on keeping. And Sheva is the number of kibatsot that he put, on, put up in a row around which this agreement was drawn. So that's it. That's the end of the story. Okay, you know those psukim are very like power. Power psukim, the last two psukim in this parasha, but we'll leave them for another, for another time. So we have a story about a well, about Plishtim, about Avram Ravinu, about an agreement. An agreement that has two parts. One part is for the benefit of the Plishtim. Right? The Plishtim agree with Avram Ravinu that Avram is not going to attack them. He's not going to overwhelm them, at least for the next two generations. And the second agreement is about a well. Well, Avraham said, it's my well, I want to keep the well, I don't want you guys to attack my well. Agreement number two. Okay, that's what the parasha says. Now you remember, we haven't forgotten yet, that Yitzchak had a thing with wells. Right? He dug wells like his father dug a well. Here's a story about a well that his father dug up. Right, which was attacked by the Philistines, and I guess was filled in. That's what it says in the second part. I mean, so even though the story is a little sketchy, as are most of the stories in the Torah, we have a basic idea of what's going on, and the well, again, the center of our attention. Now let's look at the Rashbam. If you turn the page, there's a Rashbam. The Rashbam was a grandson of a Rashi. The Rashbam, therefore, was one of the Baliatosis. Right, the Baliatosis basically lived in what we call today France and Germany. Right, the Ramban. The Ramban lived in Spain. So that in those days, unlike today, France and Germany were far away from Spain. And even though the Roche made the trip, and he went from France to Spain, okay, but it wasn't the kind of trip you made every day. It wasn't, you know, people in in the north stayed in the north, but even the south stayed in the south. So we're going through it to a different tradition, really. Nevertheless, I'm going to take the liberty of using the Rashbam to deal with the position of the Rambam. Well, and even though I know that the times are a little different, 
and that the places are a little different, I'm going to do it anyway. Okay? So don't tell me that they're different. This is what the Rashbam says. The Rashbam appears in, uh, in odd versions in the, in the Tanakh. This particular puzzle got a little mauled in uh, various editions of the Mikraot Gedolot. If somebody's interested in the more, most critical uh, possibility that we have today, you find it in this book called Tosfot HaShalem. This is a, a collection of all the Peyushim on Chumash of Balei Tosafot in order. Right? So, such a book exists. I see that you're very happy that I told you that. I will go on. This is the Rashban. The Rashban starts by is the first Pasuk after the story of Avram, Avinu, and Avimela. That Pasuk says Nisa et Abraham. It's the pasuk that introduces Akedat Yitzchak. The pasuk that introduces Akedat Yitzchak. So that means that the pact that was signed between Abimelech and Abraham in the Torah comes right before, comes right before the story of Akedat Yitzchak. And Akedat Yitzchak starts with the words those of you remember the Rashi that you learned when you were little kids you know that the Rashi asks what, what is the Achar Hadvarim what, what was it after what's the connection so listen to the Rashbam the Rashbam you remember is Rashi's grandson the Rashbam never said a word without first making sure that Rashi hadn't copped, hadn't dealt with the topic properly. The Rashbam saw himself as an addition to, as a further, uh, a, a further commentary of Rashi's, for good reason. So listen to what the Rashbam says. So he says, sometimes in the Torah, a new chapter or a new parasha, it's a new topic, a new story. Sometimes, it continues the previous story. And the words, Achar Hadvarim Ha'eleh, the Rajbam says, mean that story A is continued by story B. What is story A? The pact between Avimelech and Avram Avinu. What's story B? Akedat Yitzchak. What possible connection could there be between these two stories? So the Rajbam says, well, first of all, he, then he says, he says, uh, In other words, he, he reads other examples of Achar Hadvarim Ha'eila. When after the Melchemet Abatam Lachimet Achamisha, which is Perak Yudalid in Breshi, it also says, the Pasuk Perak Tetrav, it says, that somehow B is about A. That the Rashi says, if you remember, Rashi says that Adam Avinu was concerned that he had used up all his shuyot, all of his merit, in the battle which he won to save Lot. And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to him, Al-Tiro Avraham, Schorcha that, you know, you don't have to worry, you're in good shape, Avraham. That's what, that's what he says. And then he says, 
<coughs> and then it's another example for big time the Teresh. I'm skipping that. Afkan. It's the fifth line. One, two, three, four, five. Fifth line. A third of the way across there's a period. Right? Should I highlight it? See on the web yeshiva, when I highlight things, everybody's highlighted. What a blessing. What a blessing. I remember you teach a class, you have to walk around and highlight it for all the students you know, as you walk around. The web yeshiva just happens. Afkan. Achar hadvarim shekarat Avraham brit la'avimelech. You see this? Afkan. Here too, the words Achar Dvarim Be'elu mean right after. B is connected to A. Afkan. And he says, Shekarat Avraham brit la'avimelech lo ulinino ulinechto shel Avraham. Remember, there was an agreement between Avimelech his children and his grandchildren with Abraham and he gave him the Sheva Kifsot Atzon what was the Sheva Kifsot Atzon about? again, the well right, that Avi Melech is not going to be able to take the well back ah, now listen to this an idea you didn't think of and in fact the Rashbam says HaKadosh Baruch was filled with anger about this this meaning this agreement that Avram Avinu went made with Avi Melech Sharei Eretz Plishtim Bechal Gul Yisrael after all everybody knows that Eretz Plishtim is part of Eretz Yisrael. That's what's given. HaKadosh Baruch gave it to Avraham Avinu. How can he, he go sign a pact with Avimelech that he's not going to take Eretz Plishtim when he knew very well that HaKadosh Baruch gave him Eretz Plishtim. And so, HaKadosh Baruch would see there then Lo Tichayet Kol Tichemah Pasukim Devorit that the Pasuk says that, that, that if the Plishtim don't agree, if they don't capitulate, called the and you have to kill every one of them. The and you see also in the book of Yeshua, before Yeshua divided up the land, you know that Yeshua divided up the land of Eretz Israel to all the twelve tribes, even before it was all conquered. So the land of the Plishtim was also divided up. Chamisha Sarneha Plishtim, the five uh, 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 kings of the of the Plishtim. And he said, "Plishtim goral lachem, velokim nisad Abraham." So the Rashbam says, "You know, Akedat Yitzchak. You remember that story?" And it says, "Velokim nisad Abraham." We have trouble with that. Who, who was the trial thorn? What was the tribulation of Abraham Avinu? Velokim nisad Abraham because he deserved it. Because he did something terrible, according to the Rashbam. He compromised Eretz Yisrael. He said to Avimelech, okay, it's not mine. We'll let you dominate the land of the Plishtim. He, he oppressed him and he made him unhappy. He, Avram Avinu, he punished him. I mean, when Avinu realized that Yitzchak was going to be sacrificed, wasn't that a punishment? 
Wasn't that something that, uh, that Avram Avinu had to feel in his bones? Allah comes to Rashbam and says, it was a punishment for the indiscretion that Avram Avinu performed when he agreed to let the Plishtim have their land in exchange for a well. In exchange for a well. I mean, that's what Avram Avinu did. Kedichtiv anisah daber lechet la'ah in other words, all these words, all these psukim indicate according to the Rashbam that the word Nisa in Hebrew is a kind of punishment word. It's a word that indicates pain. And Bechaneni Hashem and Asani Kloma Nitgaeta Bevenshin Etativ Lichrot Brit Beinechem Uvein Binechem. Huh? He says, you, Avram Avinu, you made yourself into a big shot because Avimelech said, l'nini u'l'nechdi. And you said, I can sign that because I have a son. I also have a son. I also will have nini u'nechdi. Because you saw it as kind of a vote of confidence for yourself. But look what you did. You gave away Eretz Yisrael. And he says, They gave a venture to the cold breed by the Chavetra. Lech Valeo Ola. Now I'll see how you feel. That very son that you were so proud of, that you were willing even to forego Eretz Yisrael just to show that you were a big shot. And that you could say to Abimel, Yeah, your son and my son. Your uh, uh, grandson and my grandson, because you know we're we're in this child-making uh, business together. So you, Avram Avinu, you said that your son was more important than Eretz Yisrael, so to speak. So now we'll see how you feel when Hakadosh Baruch commands you to destroy your own son—a fitting punishment. Now, certainly. The Chachmat Sadi Yachakov the Medrash of Shmuel, etc. Or he had certain proofs that he induces. So according to the Rashba, I mean this is a, a side interest, but it's interesting to us as well. That according to the Rashba, Ammarvinu did something bad. He made a mistake, and he was punished for that mistake. And the punishment for that mistake was that for a time he felt that his son was in great jeopardy and that he, Avram Avinu would have to jeopardize the future of Klal Yisrael by following the directive that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him so you see the Rashbam is a commentary or a commentator he's trying to explain a number of things at the same time on the most um, uh, particular level he's explaining what the word Nisa is Nisa and he says it's a punishment it's not a nisayon to find out something it's not a nisayon to see how will Avram Avinu do when tested it's rather a nisayon to give Avram Avinu his due and what was his due? that he said my son is so important that I'm going to enter into an agreement with Avimelech which relinquishes my ownership of Eretz Yisrael just because I want to be able to say to him, as he said to me, 
That's what the Rashbam has to say about Avram Avinu. So if you've never thought of it in this way, you know that it's the Rashbam. And the Rashbam comes with the authority of the Baliatosis, and he must have said this or heard this in the house of Rashi himself. And so it's, while it's not the common explanation that we know, it can't be totally out of sync with acceptable and well-established interpretations. So what does this have to do with the Ramban? You know that the Ramban was a Kabbalist. And while it's true that not every Kabbalist was the same, and that there are earlier Kabbalists and later Kabbalists, and we tend to get them all mixed up in our heads because we think, we don't realize that the space between the Ramban and the Arizal was about 300 years, and maybe something happened during those 300 years. Maybe people were thinking about something, maybe. But we tend to sort of like mishmash it all together. And with that as an introduction, I'm going to mishmash it all together a little bit. And you know that one of the principles that the Kabbalists have managed to make us aware of in their kind of interpretation, in their kind of interpretation, is the notion that's called Tikkun. This was developed tremendously by the Arizal and his Talmudim, but there's no reason to think that in some way it did not exist prior to them and their expounding on this. And that there's this idea that the world, you know, evolves and can be fixed, it can be changed, and there are things that happen that produce cracks. And then there are people who come along and they're able to kind of put putty in the cracks and fix them. The great fixing that we do all the time is mitzvot. We do mitzvot, and by doing the mitzvot, we not only are responsive to God's will, and we not only are able to live a better life, which we assume the mitzvot enable us to do, but we're also able to fix the world, to make it ready for the next stage, to make it ready for the messianic era, for example. Because you can't get something without being ready for it. The Baral says, the Baral says that Matan Torah, Matan Torah was not just about God giving the Torah to Bnei Yisrael. But Bnei Yisrael had to be a klikibu. They had to be worthy of, ready for, able to receive the Torah. If the Torah had been given to Bnei Yisrael, written in Chinese, for example, it would not have been a big hit. So that all of the Avdus in Mitzrayim, and Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim, and coming to Harsinai, all the, the things that Bnei Yisrael had to go through in order to become worthy of Matan Torah, has to do with becoming a Klikibu, the Maral says, becoming a worthy repository for the, team, for the Torah. You can give things all you want, but you have to give it to somebody who's able to, to receive it. This is true with children, this is true with adults, this is true with everybody, right? So you have to be able to receive what it is that is given. So that one of the ideas, one of the ideas that the Kabbalists 
teach us, which can then be reinterpreted, I always think, into non-Kabbalistic uh, notions, that it's not enough to have a notion of the end of days, but you have to be worthy of the end of days. And if you're not worthy, at least you have to work in the direction of worthiness. Right? So that's what we try to do. We try to work in the direction of worthiness. So the Ramban was a Kabbalist. And all of this was known to him. And there was a missing piece in the story that the Rashbam told. Now the Ramban doesn't mention the Rashbam. And the Ramban doesn't indicate that he knew the Rashbam. But since the Ramban knew many more things than I could even imagine, I'll assume that the Ramban knew something about this comment as well. And the Ramban said there's a missing piece. Again, Avram Avinu did something wrong. And Avram Avinu was punished for the wrong that he did. And his punishment was, his punishment was, that he had to take his son to Har Moriah with fear and trepidation, or maybe fear and trembling, and realize how uh, shaky his own position in life was, and how terrible, according to the Rashbam, the agreement that he made with Avimelech was. Okay? Rav, uh, uh, the uh, Ramban says, but yes, but there was an agreement. The agreement was still there. Where was the tikkun? Where was the agreement unagreemented? Where was the change? Where did the change take place? So there's a story about Yitzchak. Yitzchak is leaving the house of Avimelech. And where is he going? We all know where he's going. He's going to Beersheba. He's going to Beersheba. Because after he dug those three wells, which brought him nothing but grief, he just closed up shop and went to Beersheba. So the Ramban would say to himself, not only why does the Torah tell me the story, but what was Yitzchak doing in Bechlal? What was Yitzchak's interest? What was his interest in digging wells to have a fight, then dig a well, not have a fight, then go to Beersheba? What was Yitzchak doing? So for the Ramban, there's a tikkun. There's a tikkun in the well digging. Right? Because the Churban Beit Hamikdash is not only about the Beit Hamikdash, but is also about the loss of Eretz Yisrael. It's about the loss of Eretz Yisrael. So that the Beit Hamikdash, the Churban Beit Hamikdash, represents the loss of Eretz Yisrael. And as I said at the beginning when we started talking, Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael was never able to drive out the Philistines. Never. They always remained an independent entity, perhaps, according to the agreement between Avram Avinu and, and Avimelech. So that it became the tikkun for what Avram Avinu did was the digging of a well by, uh, by Yitzchak in his own property about which there was no confusion, no fighting, 
No one came to take it away from him. No one came to fill up the well that he had dug. Sitna and Asek, or Asek, it's Sitna, those wells, who are the wells of Avram Avinu, as it says in the Apostle. Yitzchak came and dug up the wells of Avram and those wells remained the wells of confrontation and disagreement. But the third well was the Tikkun, was the Tikkun on what Avram Avinu had done. It was the well of peace. And it said that just as Avravinu's punishment at Akedat Yitzchak, his personal punishment, came to an end, the punishment that he, so to speak, inflicted on Klal Yisrael in their history would also come to an end. Not right away. There would be Churban Bayat Yishon, Churban Bayat Yishini, but there would be a third well, the well called Rechovot, the well that represented the lack of fighting over the dominion in Eretz Yisrael. And that even though Yitzchak left and he went to Be'er Sheva to live his life, there's no doubt that that third well, the well called Rechovot, the well that was built to establish peace in Eretz Yisrael, remained the well of Yitzchak and his descendants forever. So the Ramban says, Amravina did it, but Yitzchak undid it. Amravina got us into trouble, but Yitzchak made the tikkun. He fixed it in some way, such that Eretz Yisrael, ultimately, all of Eretz Yisrael, will clearly belong to Am Yisrael, the children of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Have a good shot.